We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Chase Parham. And today, we're going to talk to Isaac Ukwu. He is the uh, James Madison defensive end that recently committed to Ole Miss. He chose the Rebels over Auburn and Missouri. He will uh, be in Oxford here soon. It's moving this weekend. He plays his final year of eligibility for the Rebels this fall. A a seventh-year senior. Isaac has been through a lot over the course of his college career there in uh, at James Madison. He's done everything from watch them move up through the ranks. They were an SCS school when he committed there out of uh, Maryland. He's from uh, the state of Maryland, not the University of Maryland, the state of Maryland. And then uh, now they're in the Sun Belt. He made that move. took several years for uh, Isaac to get on the field. He had a couple knee injuries. He redshirted, obviously was a member of James Madison during the pandemic. So a lot of perseverance. A lot of uh, success has come his way since then. So we're going to talk to Isaac about that today. Got a lot of stuff here with him on today's show. A show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about the uh, the ribs. Let them take care of dinner tonight. Wet or dry, they will take care of you. They can uh, wrap them up, have them ready to go there with the Oxford Exxon. The lunch specials, five sixty nine every day. A couple sides, bread, any size fountain drink, including their 49-cent fill-ups. You head on in, 49 cents. You get all the fountain drinks you could want there with uh, the Oxford Exxon. And then if you're in the uh, Brookhaven or Clinton areas, they will take care of you with donuts. Homemade every single day. A lot of flavors, a lot of options for you there in Clinton and Brookhaven. Those are going to move throughout Mississippi here soon. But right now in those two stores, so all the uh, Blue Sky locations up and down I-55 and throughout North Mississippi as well with great deals, good gas prices, and more. Coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900. Highway 25 South in Amory, Mississippi. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy. He'll take care of you. Wherever you are in the car buying process, the car looking process, give Corey a call. He'll give you a quote quickly during business hours. He will take care of you. Wherever you are, he'll get you there, help you along the way, whether you buy from him or not. But my bet is you buy from him if you give him a call. So again, that's Corey at 662-257-1900. And then Isaac joining me on the My Perfect Franchise hotline, Andy Ludicky. If you are interested in franchises, if you have questions about how he can help you get into that business, know more about the business, that's My Perfect Franchise and Andy Ludicky there. 
Isaac on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. So let's go ahead and get it started now. Let's uh, talk to Isaac <clears throat> Ukwu of uh, James Madison. Again, he is now a, uh, a rebel, recently committed to to Ole Miss. He uh, had a couple of knee injuries. He uh, redshirted in 2017, but really burst onto the scene in 2021. Played in all 14 games. He had 20 solo tackles, 23 assists, 43 in total, 16 tackles for loss, and nine sacks there in 2021. He followed it up in 2022 with seven and a half sacks. He got some All-American nominations, some uh, awards from some different publications. He was all first team Sunbelt there in 2022 as well. So uh, a lot of success recently. One year of eligibility remaining. Again, a, uh, a seventh-year senior. So we talk a lot of football. And he's got a great podcast. He's got the uh, the off-schedule podcast. We start off talking about that here today with him. He recently had a video on YouTube go over 150,000 views. We uh, discuss podcasts, what got into that for him, why that's been an avenue, and maybe how it wants to be some of his career, depending on football working out or not, or even if it does, what he has plans for the fall and more. So a lot of podcast stuff, a lot of football here with Isaac. So let's get to him now on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline, Isaac Ukwu. Isaac, really appreciate the time today. Good to uh, good to talk to you about a lot of different things. I'll get to some football so I don't get fired. I don't have my listeners yelling at me since you, uh, you're the newest Ole Miss Rebel as of uh, us taping this here on Wednesday morning. But, dude, I, I got excited for you. I heard about your podcast last week, started looking you up a little bit. I go to YouTube, and I see pretty good numbers everywhere looking through, and then I stumble on this one video. Yeah, from Dance Mom, not Dance Moms on the podcast. As of this morning, one hundred and fifty-six thousand views on YouTube yeah. for that thing. I, 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 I need to start here, bud. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you about your podcast. But when you do a video like that, how did that interview sort of come about? And then when do you start noticing YouTube and and seeing the way that that's kind of going viral for you there? Um, so it came about because so Kendall goes to JMU. Um, she's on the JMU dance team. And uh, Julio was actually uh, Julio, the guy I'd be doing the podcast with. He actually knew her from uh, from around school. Like they were friends, they knew each other. So I just asked him. I was like, "Yo, you think you can get her to come on to the podcast?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." And then so he asked her, and she said she was excited to come and do it. So that's really how it came about. And then uh, I had a feeling it would go viral because of the amount of followers she had on Instagram and how um, popular Dance Moms was, but I, I didn't know it was going to go like to this degree. I was thinking more like maybe like 20,000 views or something like that. But then uh, when YouTube just kept pushing it and pushing it, I was just seeing the numbers go up and up. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, of course. But yeah, it was really cool having her on. Did you catch yourself kind of checking every 30 minutes or an hour? I mean, how much were you following that thing while it was taking off? Because I think I'd have been just kind of refreshing every every few minutes there for a while. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I was. I was refreshing like every couple minutes. Uh, I was checking it back every like every hour I was looking at it and it was going up like 5,000 views. I was like, wow, this is because I've never had a video do anything like that before in those types of numbers. So it was definitely checking up on it frequently. Did you have her as kind of a big fish peg for a while? I mean, it was that one where you thought for a little bit, hey, if we if we get to her, when to ask Julio to do it? I mean, you know, how long before it actually aired did she kind of cross your mind as a as a potential guest? Um, honestly, I would say <clears throat> I thought about it in the past, but I never asked like Julio to get in contact with her. I just thought I was when I was going through people that might be interesting on campus to be able to bring on. Because obviously I can't fly people out from all different types of areas. So I was just trying to think 
who around us would be someone that some people would like to uh, know more about or see get interviewed. Um, but in terms of when we asked her to when we did it, we asked her basically like the week before we did it. And she was just like, yeah, sure. Um, we like to work around other people's schedules. So whenever, um, whenever she was free, that's when we were able to just go and knock it out in like an hour and then get out. So in this iteration of, of your show, it's off schedule. You can find it on YouTube. I'll put all the links in, in this episode as well. You guys are a few, like I said, a little over 20 episodes. You've been going for a while. But this thing, I, I went through your YouTube page. You had one called IML about two years ago, a little over two mm-hmm. years ago. Had one F yeah. episode. I think you said uh, that as uh, Isaac means laughter. What made you even kind of start the video process, the podcast space? What do you like about it? I mean, what what went into it to even make this maybe a, a hot, you know, what started out as a hobby, but maybe it's something you continue to do for a while? Yeah, I, I think the main thing was I really enjoyed talking to people and I really enjoyed the conversations we would have with like my teammates in the locker room and conversations I would have with people just in life in general. And I thought it would be nice to be able to have that on camera and use that and combine that with the um, the love I have for editing and being creative and creating videos and being able to combine those two into something that um, I actually have fun doing. I thought that would be really cool. So that's where the initial um, motivation to start the podcast was. Um, my initial, like the first, you talked about IML, those, those are like the first couple um, times I recorded with some of my teammates. And um, yeah, at first, when I first did it, you know, obviously the quality was a lot worse back then and all that stuff because it was my beginning times. I didn't have mics. I didn't have anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was actually using one of my teammates' GoPros to record that video. So, um, <clears throat> but I just had a great time doing that. So I just thought, yeah, that's something I definitely could see myself doing in the future. Um, and during football and after football is done. Yeah, dude, whatever you got going, it was much better than we started. We got, I guess, 10, 11, 12 years ago, we started with this platform called TalkShoe. You probably never heard of it. And when Mm. you hit the button, you could only record inside this browser. So you couldn't edit it or anything. You'd hit the start button. And when it came on, it would go, TalkShoe, recorded live. You can have like this crazy static scratch thing <laughs> and we couldn't get it out of there. That was our pre, that was our opening for like a year. Mm-hmm. Before we got a little bigger and started whatever. So dude, you, <laughs> if, if you've got a mic and you got anything, you can, uh, you can get started. It's been really cool to kind of go through your videos, watch it, um, watch you get a little more comfortable as I've watched a little bit, but I can tell mm-hmm. that, that, that you feel better about it. What's it sort of taught you? Because, you know, you, like you said, you're putting everything on camera, you're having conversations, but you're also having to learn to listen to people a little better, you know, just communicate in general. What do you feel like it's done for you, even from just a development standpoint? Um, I think it's developed my ability to allow people to um, feel more comfortable around you and being able to develop relationships and contact people and, and coordinate with people in order to get them on the show and things like that. Um, And then also in terms of like marketing my brand and being able to um, promote yourself in a way that, people gravitate towards. I think that's a big thing that has taught me as well. Um, but most importantly, it's just understanding people, you know, allowing people to talk, allowing people to um, to tell their own story and then guiding them. Cause <clears throat> there's some guests where it's like, you know, they, they might not be as talkative as other guests, but you got to find a way to like lead them, um, lead them to being able to open up and give those responses that you're looking for and answer the questions that you're looking for. So just being able to deal with people and, and um, develop relationships is what's something that's really improved on. 
how did you kind of did you kind of know going in who you wanted to do it with you? How did you know whether it be Rick or whoever? How how did it develop on what teammates or who was going to be on air with you? Um, so initially, I just wanted to. Initially, it was going to be something where it was just me, and then I would bring on different teammates every episode, different people every episode. Um, but then some of my teammates just kept coming back on, like they they really enjoyed it, and they kept coming back on. So I was fine with having them on it um, over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, that's really how it came about. And I plan on having some players from the team at, at, on Ole Miss uh, come on the podcast as well. Uh, that's the plan for when I get to uh, Oxford. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You're moving here in a uh, in a few days. What does this look like? Are you taking it solo? I mean, is it is the hope just to continue by yourself and then get guests? And you know, what is the what is the next version of this podcast look like? Yeah, it's it's probably going to be me taking it solo and then and then adding some, uh, having some of my teammates come on as guests and having uh, people in Oxford come on as guests as well. And then maybe if I wanted to do so, a guest who's a long distance away or remote, I would get on like Streamyard or or Zoom or something like that to get them on the show um, as the, the the brand of the show starts to increase and, and move past local um, listeners. Yeah, of course. We can do I mean, I, I could a bit off air, obviously, but I can give you some ideas on ways to import graphics and stuff onto the screen for Zoom and things like that. If you have guys that aren't that aren't local for you there. You mentioned editing. I've been really impressed. A lot of your graphics, a lot of your thumbnails, a lot of different stuff. What got you into that? What was what was interesting about editing and, and, and the different graphic design parts of video for you? Um, so when I was in high school, um, I had signed up for this elective class graphic design and we were making like magazine covers and, and, uh, posters and things like that. And I, and I had a really good time. It was my first time ever doing that type of work. And then just from then on, um, when I've been making YouTube videos and stuff like that, I really saw the importance of having a good thumbnail and getting people to click on videos and watch the videos. So I just want to take the time to, I just took the time to learn. Um, how to make thumbnails, what people like to see, and then how to implement that. Like the thumbnails take me like an hour to make. Um, people think it's like something that's fast, but it does take a little bit of time to come up with the the formatting and how you're going to place things and, and what elements to use to not make it too muddy, but to also make it look exciting for, for people to click on. You've obviously been interested in computers and technology and that kind of thing anyway. You've got your bachelor's in computer science, you uh, or you're in some sort of cyber intelligence thing at JMU. Mm-hmm. I saw there as well. I mean, you don't see that very often. Uh, computer science. What? What? I mean, what? What led to that major? What is it about that that was interesting mm-hmm. to you? Yeah, it's funny. So everyone thinks I graduated computer science, but I actually graduated with computer information systems. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, JMU just JMU just never changed it. Okay, <laughs> but, gotcha. So yeah, what made me gravitate? <laughs> so initially, I was doing computer science um, for my freshman year. So I did freshman year and half a sophomore year, I was in computer science. Um, and that was a lot of coding and stuff like that. And I realized like, that's not what I wanted to do, like coding in a dark basement, anything like that. So I changed it up and went to the business route, which is um, computer information systems, which is part of the business school at James Madison. And that's more of the IT side, the, um, the user side of it, where you're uh, taking the technology that computer scientists make and then you're applying it to humans and how humans would use it and data analytics and things like that. Um, and I just thought that that was way more interesting with, like I said before, I like interacting with people. I don't like just being secluded by myself, working on assignments and computer information systems was a lot of working in groups, working on teams and developing 
um, things like that way, like applications, uh, user side applications, websites, things like that. So that's why I gravitated towards that. You obviously didn't know at that point you were going to go into podcast or media mm -hmm. or entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call it that. But in some ways, is that how your brain works? Did you thought I can use this in business or in different elements for my life? I mean, well, you know, was that was that one of the, the, the priorities to switch in that major? Yeah, for sure. I definitely I saw the benefits of uh, combining business and technology and getting a degree that combined both of those to utilize um, in the future, you know, um, getting my degree. Honestly, I tell everyone like my degree is like my plan C. So like my plan A is the NFL, obviously. And then plan B is like like media with like podcasts and, and all that type of things. And then my plan C is to use my my degree in, in computer information systems and my cyber intelligence certification and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's I definitely thought of that before I chose my major. What is a cyber intelligence certification? So JMU has a certificate program where they um, it's it's a program that can get completed in a year. And it basically just goes into detail about cyber threats, the psychology of um, cyber threat actors, um, how to mitigate risks and comp for companies and businesses, individuals as well, um, the different types of cyber attacks and how prevalent they are and and um, ways to combat them. So that's basically it's just um, it's basically just a course that teaches you the importance of cyber intelligence and ways to battle it and the history of it and things like that. I know you got a short time at Ole Miss, but what's your study situation look like at Ole Miss? What are you going to take? What are you going to What are you going to look at? So right now, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to decide. I, I would like to get a master's degree, um, and one program I've been, I've been looking at is a sport analytics program that has to do with sports data and business. And uh, I thought that was kind of in my ballpark, in my field. And it's a program you can get completed in one year. So I was thinking of, of starting that uh, this summer and then going into the fall and then. I would probably have to take a couple classes on it's online. So I'd probably have to take a couple classes in the spring while I'm training and getting ready for the NFL. So yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of doing. You know, you graduated high school, I think 2017, you got one year mm -hmm. left. You've been through a lot, obviously pandemics and knee injuries, mm -hmm. red shirts and different things. I mean, yeah. you come out of it so seasoned at this point. What is, what has this road sort of taught you? I mean, as you get here toward the end, you got one year left. You're playing in the mm -hmm. SEC this fall. What if? What have you learned from this? This not you know really hasn't been a very linear road at all for you. Um, I mean, I just learned a lot about um, just how to navigate life when a lot of adversity hits. You know, uh, a lot of the things I've been through, it would be easy for me to just pack it up and like give up on all the things I want to accomplish on the field and then some of the stuff off the field as well. But, you know, it just taught me resilience and it taught me that uh, it taught me patience as well. That's a big thing. Like you're, you're like when you're younger, you're like, go, go, go. I want to get older. I want to do this. I want to do that. But, you know, you just got to wait and your time will come, you know, um, going through, I played, I was at JMU for four years before I actually played uh, significant minutes or play over as a starter. And, um, four years is some of the time people are out and going to the league and that's when I'm just starting. So it's like, you know, that taught me a lot of patience and it obviously it paid off with my ability to play on the field and be successful. And then now find myself being able to play in the sec. Um, so yeah, it just taught me a lot of patience and, and gratitude for what I have and, and not uh, taking anything for granted. What was the key to sticking to it? Cause I mean, a lot of guys would have, you know, even tried a new atmosphere, gone somewhere else changed and said, Hey, this isn't going to be in the cards. I mean, was there a, 
a point of time where you even kind of had those internal conversations with yourself and what, what made you stick it out there for so long till it, till it worked out for you? Um, yeah, when I had, when I had my second um, knee injury, uh, that was a time where I was contemplating, Oh yeah, maybe this, this isn't for me. Cause like my body is telling me that, Oh yeah, football isn't in the cards for me. But um, I think I just, it's almost, it's ironic. Cause like, I felt like all the stuff I had been through, meant I had to at least see it through. Like, I can't give up on it, you know? So, like, going through all those injuries and all that made me feel like I had a duty to at least get something out of it. You know, I can't just go through all these injuries because I'm going to have those injuries regardless. So, like, it's something that's going to be a part of my body. So, like, I better get something out of it. I better get some type of success um, out of the situation. So that's really what kept me pushing and uh, keeps me pushing to this day and motivated to get to the NFL. Let me tell you a little bit about our friends at Athletic Greens. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune system support. I hated taking pills. I take AG1 every afternoon to break my fast. I know, I love knowing I'm doing something good for my body, giving my body the nutrition it craves, covering my nutritional bases. Covering my nutritional bases for the day literally couldn't be easier. It's why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water, and that's done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit. With the highest quality sourced ingredients, it's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw check it out are you vacationing on florida's emerald coast this summer whether you're staying on 30a or pensacola beach or anywhere in between please check out captain lee comerford with salty lab charters licensed and insured he offers custom excursions such as dolphin watching along destin beaches crab island sandbar experiences sunset cruises eco tours and much more he's an Ole Miss grad an air force veteran and has more than 30 years of boating experience along florida's emerald coast all trips are private to your group with a maximum of six per group. Check him out on Instagram or book today at saltylabcharters.com. Please use the code REBELGROVE20 to save 20% off at checkout. Code is valid until the end of May and can be applied to any charter booked in 2023. Lake Hill Motors in Corinth, Mississippi is a family-owned dealership in operation for more than 60 years and has a service department with more than 100 years of combined experience. When another dealer can't repair something, the manufacturer has it sent to Lake Hill Motors. If you're looking for motorcycles, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, scooters, generators, wave runners, lawnmowers, compact tractors, and much more, Lake Hill has it. From Honda, Yamaha, Bobcat, Hisun, KO, and other name brands. Contact Michael McCullough in Corinth at 662-871-6918 or visit him in person at 2003 Highway 72 East Annex in Corinth. Mention that you heard about Lake Hill on the podcast and your first oil change on your new purchase is free. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp. Plus, enjoy fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. The College Corner is your one-stop Rebel Shop. Two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. 
We're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products, same great people, same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern 662-429-4429. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1, no matter what the retail value may be. Shop, shop now at astock.bid. That's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D. Or download their app, name your price, on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville and Memphis and also in Indiana and other options coming soon that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. Also brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic, multivitamin supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical grade, manufactured right here on, inside the U.S. under the highest standards, and they're based out of Iuka, Mississippi. If you take diabetes, high blood pressure, or cholesterol medications, you know that they typically cause side effects like muscle pain, brain fog, energy loss due to a depletion of minerals and vitamins in the body. But Chris formulated a product called Prescription Support to put those vitamins back into your body to help with those side effects, keeping you more compliant, taking your medications, and helping you stay healthier over the long term. Solution RX is available in local independent pharmacies across the continental U.S., including all across Mississippi, or on their website, solutionsrx.com. Type in the promo code at OEP at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Obviously, the 2020 season was all disjointed and all this stuff with with, with COVID mm-hmm. and different things. But when you finally did, I guess in 2021, take off, you, you you hit a different level. Was that simply about health, or what all was involved in your opinion of, of taking that step? I think honestly, I think it was simply about health, really, because um, that was the type of player that I knew, and all my teammates knew that I, I would have been if I hadn't gotten hurt in in 2019 and 2020. So I think it was just a delayed um, showcase of the talent that I already had and I already um, was capable of, of, of doing on the field. When did you realize that it was clicking? When did you go, hey, no, this is this is different? Uh, you mean like in 2021 oh, or before? Yeah, that? yeah, whenever. I mean, 21, even going into 22. When did you realize, no, 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 I can definitely, you know, everything that I thought I was as good at or I could play at this level, it's all right here in front of me and it's happening? Uh, I would say – I would say after the first game of the season, uh, 2021, that's when, like, yeah. when I first got out there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is something <laughs> I can do. I was like, and then in 2022, when we got – when we started playing in the Sun Belt, and I noticed, like, it wasn't that different from the CAA and the FCS, like, in terms of my ability to be dominant and be successful, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, a good player, and I really can do this stuff. So, um, yeah, I would say – the beginning of every season, I was just—it was just constant confirmation that I belonged there and, and I was going to be a great player. Do you feel it in practice too, or do you kind of need to hit somebody with a different color uniform on to really, you know, let it click? Uh, yeah, yeah, you feel it in practice. Like, um, I would say in 2019 was when I, before, like, before I got hurt in 2019, um, that's when I was like, okay, I'm I'm really playing really well, like during spring ball and then going into fall camp. And then, um, but you always have that little bit of doubt in your head when it's like, because like when you're talking trash to people in practice and all that, they're like, let's see you do it in a game. That's what everyone always says. Let's see you do it in a game. So even though I was dominating in practice before, I, because of my injuries, I had never done it in a game. So 
in the back of my head, even though I was confident in my abilities, I was like, I got to do this against other teams that I don't know all their tendencies. Because when I'm going against people in practice, I know all the offensive linemen's tendencies and what they like to do. Um, but doing it against uh, a different color jersey definitely was was even better. Are you a trash talker? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is that the norm? I mean, what percentage would you say people out there on the field are trash talkers while it's going on? Um, percentage? Yeah, whatever. Honestly, it's like 50-50, honestly. Okay. Like, it's 50-50 chance whether someone's a trash talker. Or usually it'll be um, a couple players on the team will be the big trash talkers. Like, and you know it, like, straight from the first play, honestly. It's usually, like – it's usually it might be like one or two offensive linemen, pretty much all the receivers, and then um, it'll be like a running back. They'll be the ones that we're talking. Usually the quarterbacks are like chill, um, uh, but yeah, that's usually how it'll go. So the cliches are right that the receivers and the corners are talking the most. Yeah, 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 yeah most yeah, definitely. Yeah, you. you could just hear I could just hear it from the from the corner <laughs> of my ear all the time. Just receivers talking. Would you rather go against a guy who's talking it back to you or never says a word, just silent over there? Uh, I'd rather go against a guy who's talking back to me. Because when they don't say a word, they don't make it, – it's no fun. Like, <laughs> when they're not saying anything back – like, when they say that that whole um, thing about if you don't give him a response, they're going to stop, that's actually true. If he's not saying nothing back, I'm just going to be like, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. You you mentioned that. I mean, JMU going to the Sun Belt, having a lot of mm-hmm. success. When you first hear – of that transition and you know that's coming and you know you're going to be there for that period of time. And what's what's that like? Because it, it does allow you to prove yourself at a higher level and face different competition. Yeah, I know. I had a love-hate relationship with it because um, I was never able to win the FCS championship. So I was kind of annoyed that we were leaving the FCS. But then on the other hand, excuse me, on the other hand, I was excited about playing against the, the higher level of competition, playing in the FBS and, and being one of those teams who can actually be ranked in the top 25 of the FBS with, with the big schools and all that. So uh, that, that aspect of it was definitely exciting. Um, I was expecting it to be uh, a drastic change and like, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't as drastic as I thought it would be. Honestly, the players, um, the players we played at the FCS level and the players we played at the FBS level are, are pretty similar. What is the biggest difference? Um. I would say the biggest difference is the consistency of players that you would play. So, like, at the FCS level, we were playing teams like Villanova, Delaware, um, North Dakota State, Montana. Like, those <clears> – all <throat> those – you would play those teams maybe, like, three times a season, four times a season, something like that. But in the FBS level, you're playing them, like, eight times a season. Like, those caliber of teams, like, eight times in a season, nine, ten times. There's obviously some teams who are still deficient in talent and stuff when you're playing against them, but the majority of the teams have the capability of going in there and beating you every week. So I feel like that's the biggest difference. Obviously, you guys were really competitive and really good, but was it was North Dakota State that much better than a lot of teams you played? I mean, we always see it and hear about it. I mean, what was, mm-hmm. what was, the, what was that like? <clears throat> yeah, I would say North Dakota State could beat all the teams we played this season. They, really? I feel like North Dakota State would have played just as good as us in the in the Sunbelt Conference. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Because the size they have, uh, the mentality they have, and the winning culture, like, that's the thing I think a lot of people don't think of as much. Like, that culture of winning, no matter what level you're on, that'll showcase. Some teams, you can just feel 
that they don't really care that much about winning and they don't know how to win. So they'll just lay over. But when you have that culture of winning from no matter what level you're on, that carries over. And I feel like that attributes to your ability to be successful at the next level. And uh, North Dakota State has the most winning culture <laughs> you'll find in college football. So I feel like that'll translate if they were to move up. When did the portal first become a thought for you? I mean, when did it kind of hit? Did that maybe something you wanted to do? Um, honestly, it became a thought for me when um, when one of my teammates, uh, Tuck, hopped in the portal. Uh, actually, honestly, it's when Antoine hopped in the portal. One of my teammates from – he hopped in the portal and went to South Carolina last year. And, um, and then I started looking into it and thinking about it. I decided not to hop in the portal that year um because i felt like it would be better i had only played one year up to that point i thought playing at jmu for another year would be a better um use of my um season but then uh when i decided to come back to college in january that's when i thought about it um i wasn't too my mind wasn't really set on going into it at all yet i wanted to go through the spring and see how i felt afterwards and then when I uh, decided to hop into it, I definitely asked for like help with from my other teammates who've done it in the past and see how it went out for them, how things happened and and what they thought of the situation and and how to navigate some of the recruiting from the schools and stuff, because it was definitely very hectic when I first hopped in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really grateful for having those people there to support me and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was um, I feel like when it became that thing with COVID where you could transfer and play right away. I feel like that's when it, it got on my radar, but I didn't really think about actually doing it, I would say, until this this past semester. What was it about the spring that put you for sure over the top to go that way? Um, I just felt like I had been at JMU long enough. You know, I felt like it was it was a time for me to move up a level. That's why I was really keen on going. Like, I only visited SEC schools, like, I wasn't keen. I wasn't going to leave JMU to go to another group of five school like that didn't make any sense to me, especially with the success I've had at JMU, the guarantee of being a starter and being the guy at JMU. I felt like the only way I would take that risk is if it's a noticeable move up in competition and something that would boost my stock in the draft. And um, I didn't know I would have any offers from these big schools, but I felt like based on my talent being first team on conference and all that stuff, that that's something that would be a possibility. So that's when I was just like, yeah, let me just take the risk and, and hop in. So what happens these first 48 hours? I mean, you get in the portal, does your phone just start ringing? I mean, you don't know who these people are. You don't know area codes. I mean, take me through this. What what the heck does this look like? Yeah. So the moment I, I officially got put in the portal, I got the little email that said you're in the transfer portal. Um, about like, I would say like 30 minutes later, I started getting people following me on Instagram. I mean, on Twitter, a bunch of people follow me on Twitter, different coaches, <clears throat> D-line coach here, outside linebacker coach here, D-line coach here, D-line coach here. And I was getting DMs, people asking me to send them my uh, my phone number and stuff like that. So I was sending out my phone number. And then some people were just texting me without getting my phone number, all different area codes. Hey, this is coach so-and-so from so-and-so. <laughs> hey, this is defensive coordinator from so-and-so. This one. Yeah. So my phone was just ringing nonstop from like, 10 in the morning all the way to like 10 at night. Um, some coaches went past 10 at night. They were still texting me. Uh, but yeah, it was like that for the first day, two days, actually, for the first two days, constant phone ringing, constant phone calls. I didn't have any time to even really talk to my parents because it was just one coach, another coach, another coach, another coach, everyone asking you to come visit. 
everyone saying this, trying to sell you on this and this. It was just honestly, it was way too much. So how do you sort it? I mean, what do you do to to to, to get that to a manageable number? I mean, is it about you know naming schools? I mean, you take like what do you do? I mean, how do you make a coach stop calling, if you will? Um. So, so my high school coach always told me like to never disrespect anyone, never take any opportunity for granted. So, um, I fielded all the calls. Like I, I spoke to everyone who reached out to me. I texted everyone who reached out to me. And then um, I just took whatever they said and, and the research I could do, quick research on the school and their depth chart. And I used that to decide whether or not I would invest any more time into it. Um, I would say I did that towards the end of the second day after I had some time to like to chill out and actually assess. Um, and then quickly, like, like I said, the SEC schools were something that that rose to the top because of their caliber and then also their need. Like it was a un- unique situation to have that many SEC schools that that needed um, a position like that and, and lost so much at the position um, this past offseason. So that was why I, I leaned towards them. Yeah, tell me the Ole Miss part of that. I mean, you hear from, I guess, Golding or Jorn or whoever, and then, um, yeah. you know, when, when does that happen? And at that point, I mean, what do you what do you know about Ole Miss when you first get contact? So Ole Miss hit me up the first day. Um, they were one of the first schools to, to contact me. Um, it was Coach Joyner. Uh, I spoke with him on the phone. And I didn't know much about Ole Miss. I knew about – I knew that they were good because of – I remember the season with Matt Corral. Like I remember when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I knew they were in the SEC. I knew they were in Mississippi, obviously. And I knew mm-hmm. about Coach Kiffin being really popular um, in the college football world. That's that's pretty much all I knew about Ole Miss. Um, I started doing research and I saw the stuff about like Tavius Robinson getting drafted. And um, I know DK Metcalf went there, AJ Brown went there, stuff like that. That's all I really knew about Ole Miss. Um, but Oh, and I knew about the powder blue, the jerseys. Like I knew oh, that was okay. Yeah, that was fire. <laughs> like I like the jersey. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I knew. But then when I heard Coach Joyner tell me about the need and and what situation they were in, um, and then I talked to Coach Golding, and he was very convincing as well. Um, that's when they sort of rose towards the top of of the schools I wanted to visit. Do you make lists? Do you, are you a spreadsheet guy? I mean, how do you sort of keep all this stuff in your head sorted out when you're looking at Auburn, Missouri, Ole Miss, and whoever else was was in it kind of late? Yeah, I definitely made a spreadsheet. I did a spreadsheet. Okay. Um, I listed out the schools and I listed out my important criteria, and then I ranked them on each of those. Um, so it was really Missouri, Auburn, and Ole Miss that were my final three. So I ranked them one to three on each of those based on what I thought, and then. I uh, I just used that to make the decision on what school I thought was best for me. And um, the number one decision was football. So, and Ole Miss had that covered. So uh, that was that was how I went about making the decision and, and narrowing it down to what school I wanted to go to. Did anything else even matter? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, um, I mean, I mean, do you do? I mean, Oxford's a good place, but do you, I mean, do you care about towns and things like that? I mean, now you got to live here for a year, but I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, how, how do you sort of manage the other parts of this decision? Yeah, I know that's hard because it's um, you gotta you gotta try and make the main thing the main thing, which is the football. Um, but obviously, there's outside factors that that come into play and it may influence you, like like connections and obviously the money part and the location of the school and all that. Um, all the schools were far from home, so that wasn't really a big deal for me. Uh, I feel like I can be anywhere 
like seven months for a season. Like it, it, I wasn't going to be living there for the rest of my life. So that wasn't as big of a deal. Um, I did like Oxford. I liked Auburn and I liked Columbia, Missouri. Like I, I liked all three of the places. Um, but yeah, I just try to make football the main thing. Where did I think I could go in and play football, excel and um, get myself to the next level? Obviously, you're, you know, you've been long, around long enough that you didn't see this early in your career. It wouldn't have been a factor had you transferred. How do you even balance NIL in these decisions? I mean, how do you factor that in? Um, I feel like the way I did it was I just got what everyone would offer in NIL. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it played a role, but it wasn't like one of the main roles. I just felt like all the money was relatively the same from all three schools. So it wasn't really anything that that would make me choose sway one way or sway the other way and, and all that stuff. So I just took it as something that obviously was important. It was something that's cool to get, you know, being a college athlete. When I first came in, yeah. you wasn't getting no money at all. So <laughs> it's definitely something that was cool to get, but it wasn't something that I let drive what decision I met I made. So like it was really just the football mostly. Like you said, you know, obviously a great thing for, for players, all that stuff. But is it a little weird? I mean, is is it, yeah. is it normal in your head or what? No, nah, it's not normal in my head at all. You know, schools are asking you like, oh, how much do you think you're worth and all that? I'm like, man, I don't <laughs> – I have no idea. Like, there's a lot of kids play I, – I was saying earlier, a lot of players don't know what other people are getting in terms of money. So it's like I don't even know where to gauge. Like, if you're in the NFL, you know what someone else got in the contract. You know what this person got. You know what you how you compare to that person, and you can go from there. But in college football, no one really talks about how much money they make, um, or or what they're able to get for their um, services. So I really went in kind of blind to what I would be able to get. Is there anything about Ole Miss's scheme or what they want to do with you defensively that stood out? I mean, what, what what's kind of the role here? Yeah, this the scheme. Uh, the way that Coach Golding ran defense at Alabama. Um, playing with the two edge players, um, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, these past couple of seasons, um, I would be playing in that sort of situation, the Jack linebacker position. Um, and that really stuck out to me um, because I thought it would be some place to showcase my versatility. I've been playing in a four down front uh, my entire career. So being able to be put in a three, a multiple front, three, four front, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought that would be something that would be really good to showcase the scouts and, and to the NFL. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's the next step for your game? I mean, I'm not necessarily a technical answer or whatever you want to give, yeah. but I mean, you're coming to the SEC. You got one year left to put everything on tape. What do you got to get better at? Where, where, do you, where do you sort of feel like you are right now? Uh, I feel like the next step is just to show consistency at a higher level, you know, being able to show, to dominate the way I did in the lower levels at the SEC, um, in the SEC, and to be able to showcase uh, I need to improve on my lateral quickness, uh, my counter moves, things of that nature. Everyone knows that I can do power rushes and all that stuff. I want to show more finesse aspects of my game and my quickness and, and twitchiness, and I think that's something I'm going to work on all summer um, and utilize that. Um, uh, and showcase that in my film. Just show an arsenal of moves and, and versatility in my film. I feel like that's the biggest thing I need to showcase this year. Do you stop the podcast during the season? I did last yeah. season, um, but part of that was because uh, one of my friends had transferred to Texas, and he was someone who I was doing the podcast with a lot. Uh. <laughs> um, and I just never, got, I just never got back to it. But I don't think I'm gonna stop it this season. I think I'm gonna keep it going this season, sort of like how Draymond Green does his podcast, like he'd come right after a game and talk. I was thinking of doing something um, to that degree after games this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to keep it going during the season. You an NBA guy? Yeah. Who's your team? Uh, unfortunately, it's the Suns. I go wherever Kevin Durant goes. Oh, do you and, really? Uh, yeah, but the Nuggets the Nuggets got us. So uh, I'm rooting for the Heat now to to because I like Jimmy Butler and I, I like what he – what he's been able to do with that with the eight seed and, and and bring them to the conference finals and most likely to the finals. So that's I'm I'm rooting for the Heat. What do you like about KD? I just like how efficient he is and how smooth he is on the court. And I just when I first started watching basketball was when OKC was like really good with him and Russ and James Harden. Mm-hmm. So I just gravitated towards them because they were young guys and they were um, beating a lot of the older players like the Grizzlies and the Lakers and all that. So. Um, the Spurs. So I was just gravitating towards uh, Kevin Durant, and then I just stuck with it from from then on. Who's your NFL team? Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, I got it. Yeah, you. yeah. I was playing Madden. Uh, I think it was Madden 05, So I was like six years old, <laughs> and, I, and I and I hit random, and it, and it landed on the Jaguars, and they just been my favorite team since then. So I just been riding with them through David Garrard, Blaine Gabbard, all them Blake <laughs> Bortles. Yeah, so I just been riding with them ever since. Hey, you're on the you're on the come up though. It's all good. I mean, yeah, last year put y'all in the right in the right spot. Mm-hmm, for sure. So you were all in on Trevor Lawrence then when they took him a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Based on what he was doing at Clemson, yeah, for sure. Any uh, obviously, I mean, not like you've been North Hill life or anything, but any uh, deep South food you're interested in as you get down here and start start eating around a little bit? I don't know. I'm gonna just try a bunch of things. I don't really. I like barbecue. Um, yeah. I love steak, uh, pulled pork. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't even got some nothing in specific, but I just looking forward to trying uh, all the food y'all got down there and, and, and getting integrated into the the southern culture. You a fried catfish guy, or if you had it, I never in, had in it in the right place. All right, all I never right, had fried catfish before. All right, all right, yeah, <laughs> we put, put put that on put that on the list then. There you yeah, go. for a, sure. There's a start. 
Well, but I uh, I really really appreciate it. Again, I uh, hope the uh, the podcast goes well. Hope I uh, really enjoyed everything I've seen from that so far, and I appreciate the time today. And let's uh, let's do it again as you get here. Be safe moving this week. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. Take a break in the podcast. Tell you about Prime Shrimp. PrimeShrimp.com. Seven different flavors available to be shipped right to your door. Fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp. Let them take care of dinner tonight. Everything from the New Orleans-style barbecue to the signature. It's two great uh, flavors that are very versatile. I use them on a ton of things, including lunch. Cut them up, throw them on a salad. They even make a great snack by themselves. Again, fewer than 10 minutes. You get dinner, you get lunch, you get a snack with Prime Shrimp. They're also available in all Rouse's markets throughout Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. If there's a Rouse's, you can get prime shrimp. The lemon cracked pepper flavor is great. Or you make full meals in a bag. The French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter. So many options there with prime shrimp. That's primeshrimp.com. Use hash, use uh, sorry code RG, code RG, buy five pouches or more, 25% off. 25% off with primeshrimp.com and code RG. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy. 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. You can also transfer your medications easily. To do that, you give them a call. One call, they take care of the rest. So whether that's Holly Springs and Tyson Drugs or G&M in Oxford, that's 662-236-2222. Podcast brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. If you're ready for the Grove, join them at Vaught Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 football season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process. To explore seating options, visit OleMissTix.com or call them at 662-915-7159 to help lock the vault today. 662-915-7159. Podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender, and much more. So call the office for details and get the best internet in Lafayette County. Again, that is 662-238-3159. Nine. And then last but definitely not least, spring is here and it's time to refresh your outdoor spaces. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services is your go-to for professional power washing. From your home's exterior and sidewalks to your deck and patio, the team has experience equipment equipment to get the job done right with the advanced power washing techniques and attention to detail. They can remove dirt, grime, and mildew to reveal a fresh and clean surface. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services has been serving the Mid-South for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof applications, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. So contact Heavenly Sunshine Property today and get a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. Visit the website at heavenlysunshine.com or give Sandy a call at 662-342-1203. 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate today. Use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Thanks to Isaac for his time today on the show, a guy that I think you guys are really going to like, his fans, a guy that uh, his content has a chance to be uh, successful as well. So I really appreciate him joining us, talking about his story and him headed to uh, Ole Miss. Again, he's moving this weekend, so we'll uh, have more of him in the future here on the uh, on the network, hopefully, as uh, he gets acclimated into Ole Miss for his final season. Again, guy spends seven years 
um, in college by the time he finishes up. He's done gone away, long way toward his education during that period of time and then uh, fought through a lot of adversity, a lot of injury, a lot of different things to uh, move up and get a chance at the SEC. Turned down several other offers, as he talked about, between Auburn and Missouri. So, uh, again, appreciate Isaac, and we will, again, have more from him here moving forward. A few baseball notes um, as we turn to this part of the podcast. Again, uh, Ole Miss obviously not in Hoover. This is the uh, the Thursday, the second day of double elimination. It's double elimination today and tomorrow, and then Saturday goes to single elimination before the final on, uh, on Sunday. I saw Florida walked off Alabama yesterday, and – Vanderbilt beat Auburn last night, but that's not really what I want to talk about. The uh, The portal opens up in four or five days, um, and that's when you'll start seeing a lot more names hit these lists. Um, we, we're aware of some Ole Miss guys who are definitely getting in the portal. Um, Tim Samay, the infielder. Um, Jordan Vera, the right-handed pitcher. And then uh, the catcher, Will Plattner, three that have uh, come across my radar. Plattner's the only one that I have 100% confirmed, but I feel decent enough about the others to uh, say that I do not anticipate them being back. At this point, but until the portal opens, they they're not going to hit these lists on D1Baseball.com and wherever else that they're doing a lot of portal tracking. So you're uh, you're still a little more than half a week from knowing across the country or just from Ole Miss. Everybody that's necessarily involved in this, we know Banks Tolly is uh, is leaving. He redshirted this year with the expectation that he would jump in the portal. So that's what's happening there with uh, with him and. Um, once that thing opens up on the 29th, we'll get a much better idea of kind of options. We can start piecing together anybody who has connections in different ways to Ole Miss. And, and frankly, see who sets the market. You see what prices potentially look like based off who gets in, who are the top three or four guys, where are they potentially going. We, we, we're, 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 we're close to a roadmap at this point as this uh, very pivotal time frame for Ole Miss gets started with uh, – with the portal opening up in a few days, if you told me to put a number on it, I would say that Ole Miss ends up bringing in six to eight portal guys if they can get that many. I mean, obviously, the the, the catch in that is that you can't have any wasted space, so you got to make sure that you feel very good about the guy being able to compete at an SEC level. Um, you have to have the money, if we're just being real honest, from an NIL standpoint to snag that many guys. And then in addition to that, you just have to win recruiting battles because, you know, we, we, we talked about this the last season. Ole Miss was not in the portal as heavy as it should have been. Um, for whatever reason you want to give that, that's just the truth. It, it, it did not go as well as it should have. Um, they had a chance to keep Nick Pogue if they had understood some of what they probably know or they do know now. Um, so Ole Miss has got to get much more active, but everybody's going to get more active. I mean, when you look at it, LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas, I think those three schools were probably in the portal um, as much as anybody last year. You had, you know, five, six schools that really were at a this year type level of understanding what was possible, what, what was possible, and Ole Miss was not one of those. So this year it, it's going to be completely different, a lot more teams. So my point in saying that is you've got to win the recruiting battles. I mean, you still have to beat – LSU and A&M and Arkansas and those schools for uh, for players. And then the, the one-off schools, you know, you've got a lot of SEC schools are going to have the money to compete for multiple players and be in some of these national recruiting battles. But then I think you're going to see some deals this year too where a school can't do that. They can't jump in and be consistently competitive across the landscape of the portal. But maybe they get one guy. Maybe they get two guys. I think you're going to have a lot of schools that at least make competitive offers to one specific player out there. So we're still learning. Um, Baseball is always different than the other sports in a lot of ways. It is getting closer to the other sports every day. 
the gentleman agreement type stuff is over. The uh, lack of cutting kids who simply are not where they need to be developmentally is uh, is over. And you know that's that's one of the things too. I mean, Ole Miss. There's already a couple high school kids that they are not bringing in that in past years they probably do, but that's just not possible. And you know, I I know that every or not every I know some college coaches really struggle with that that they have a kid committed for multiple seasons. And then right before he gets here, they tell him to go elsewhere or look elsewhere. They don't end up on the roster. But in a lot of ways, you're doing the player a favor, too. If it's very obvious that he's not going to be able to compete at the SEC level, or at least not without substantial development that is not necessarily likely, he needs to figure out what that right step is for him next that's not sitting on the bench in the SEC for two or three seasons. It's and, and, you know, and, and wasting a portal that was predetermined in some way because you're aware that he probably is not going to be able to either hit SEC pitching or get outs at the same time. So, you know, you're really it, – it's best for all parties to go ahead, be really honest about your, your observations, about your um, – ability to project what these players are able to do and then for the player to understand what the situation is for for, for them as well but yeah it's just it, it's ever changing um but I think Ole Miss is going to be in, incredibly active I think it's a situation where they do have a lot of funds um I've talked to a lot of people involved in that process over the last I don't know week week and a half or something like that and uh, it's probably even a little better than I thought a week ago I think Ole Miss absolutely has resources available to be competitive with multiple and in more than a handful of prospects um that's not saying they're going to go out and get the top three in the country that are out there but i absolutely do believe that they should be competitive in a lot of those races and have the money to get six or eight as long as they win the recruiting battles and do everything else involved with that with securing those portal prospects so it should be an interesting summer to follow to um <clears throat> to, to to see what direction Ole Miss takes to kind of fill out that roster and fill out that salary cap if you will if you want to call NIL that, as they uh, as they move forward, the uh, the portal window is open through July 13th. Um, that is an interesting date because the MLB draft June 9th through 11th, so it's right there around the draft from a from a timeline standpoint. That's much better than last season. At least you have a little better idea of what's going on with the draft. Ole Miss definitely looking at um, four players from a draft standpoint that is just really uncertain right now. Um, you've got Cooper Pratt. The uh, the infielder from uh, Mag Heights that I, I it's it's interesting with Cooper. You you talk to one person, you hear one thing; you talk to another person, you hear other things. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him showing. Um, I think I'm healthily skeptical. I, I think that it would not blow me away at all if he shows up, but I think it's one of those where you just want to see exactly what that number is because that number could be very substantial. Um, I think he'll hold to his number. I think he'll hold to whatever his signing bonus option is, but. Uh, you know, in theory versus it sitting on paper or two different things. Um, so almost definitely has a shot of getting Pratt. I might even lean slightly to him showing up, but not a sure thing at all. Um, that really is going to depend on just when his name is called, what that looks like, and, and, and where that is moving forward. So I, I would give it 50-50-ish um, with a slight lean towards show, but it, it's it's close. It could easily go either, either way. Um, the catcher, Campbell Smithwick, the catcher from Oxford, who <clears throat> I do believe will show. I think he will be on campus um, next season. It's a really good get for Ole Miss. He can hit at a high level. I think he's going to hit in the SEC and be very competitive offensively. And I'll mention catcher in a second, but I think that's a great get for Ole Miss. And then on the arms, it's can they find a way to get one? And really the one would be Xander Muth, um, and, and it's unlikely. I mean, it's him and Josh Noth 
And I, I think Noth is definitely probably gone. I, I think definitely probably. I think he's definitely gone. I do not see Noth showing up. I'll be kind of stunned if he is. So if he does show up, you can celebrate. You can use this uh, clip of the podcast against me. But I, I don't give a lot of chance on Noth. And then w- with Muth, I, I do think that there is some want there to come. I, I think that absolutely they have to pay him. They have to hit his number. I don't think he's going to come cheap. I don't think any of those things. He's just blown up a lot. There's been a lot of helium around Muth throughout the, uh, the the process here, especially this past 6-12 months. I mean, he's gone from a guy who is – you know, mid-round, very much a prospect to somebody who's even gotten a little first, second round looks, um, late first, early second there, depending on the team and if it's the right team that makes that jump. So when you're talking about those kind of numbers, you just can't be completely optimistic about that person showing to school. So that's the one to watch, but I would definitely not expect it. I, I think Ole Miss probably loses both those pitchers. And, and like I said, it seems like Noth is a formality at this point. But Xander Muth is one that you can watch. You can see kind of what happens with that. And we'll follow it closer. I mean, it's it's still six weeks or so away. So, I mean, we'll we'll get a better idea. I'll get a better read. I'm, you know, I'm typically not even doing a lot of draft observation stuff six weeks out because so much can change. And it just needs one team to really like him. And if that one team falls off, maybe they fall. You know, there's, there, there, it's not an exact science. It's not in a vacuum with the Major League Baseball draft. So we'll know more as June gets here. But I say all those things simply from the standpoint of understanding portal needs. They have to go into the portal and attract players and sign players based off the draft availability information that they have at the time. They can't just count on Pratt showing up to play shortstop or Campbell Smithwick coming in to immediately provide depth at catcher. You're dealing with the portal from the understanding of you might not have those players, and everybody you get in the portal is before we know for 100% sure who is going to show up from a draft process for uh, for Ole Miss. So that's that, that's what makes this kind of complicated. That's what makes this difficult as um, things move forward here and putting this roster together for Ole Miss for the 2024 season. Um, and then I, I mentioned catcher. Uh, I think that that's a in really interesting position to watch because I think they're trying to retool the entire thing. You know that Calvin Harris is going to get drafted. I expect Calvin to sign. Um, you know that Will Platner, I said, is you know leaving the program. He caught very, very, very sparingly. He was injured at one point early in the season as well. So uh, Platner not going to be on the roster next season. Uh, hearing a lot of buzz around um, Eli Birch. Um, his catcher originally from Jackson. He's been at Chipola. He's taking a visit to Ole Miss. He can end up being a debt piece. And then I've heard a couple other Juco names that are possibilities. And then the big one is they're going to go into the portal and get a catcher. I fully expect Ole Miss to uh, to, to, to get a pet catcher at the, from the Division One level. Um, somebody who <clears throat> sorry has um, – has some experience, has some pedigree, and could really step in and be an everyday catcher. Because, you know, with Smithwick, I do think he can catch as a freshman, um, but you're not going to ask him to catch 60 games. You're not going to ask him to just completely take over the position and not have a lot of help there. So I think they really are wanting, you know, frankly, three depth pieces. Um, I, I think they'd love to have three catchers on the roster, and I think they would love to have somebody who can really go in there, handle it day-to-day, can hit, can play defense, can be the catcher that Ole Miss is used to there behind the plate um, and, and just kind of what has become synonymous with their program from a catcher standpoint. I know they've identified a couple of those targets. We'll see what that looks like as things move forward. Um, and then have Smithwick to be able to come along at his own pace. If he projects way over that and he's way ahead of schedule, then you have that option and that's great and you've got depth and you've got resources and you can sustain a twisted ankle or something that takes a couple of weeks away. 
But um, the, the, the catcher position is really one that I'm focused on. They've got to absolutely make sure they fix the infield situation um, from a shortstop standpoint, frankly, probably from a second base standpoint, depending on what happens there. Um, we know it's very likely that T.J. McCant signs with a professional team that takes him at any point. Um, so I don't think he's back. I, I don't know what's going on with Peyton Chatagnier yet. He has a year of eligibility remaining. Um, but I don't think Ole Miss can simply sit and, and, and guarantee and just say that that's where that is. I think they have to recruit and they have to examine players that could play second base next season um, for the Rebels and, and, and do it at a high level. So, it's look, there's a, there's a lot of pieces involved here, a lot of moving pieces involved here. And it should be fun. I mean, if you're interested in this, if you're trying to see where the roster goes, I think that there's going to be plenty of information, plenty of uh, of different moving parts over the course of these next, you know, definitely month. Um, but then maybe even a little more in that as well. So Ole Miss uh, needing to pick up a, a ton of guys on the portal. They need to get a little lucky with the draft. If you could find a way to get Cooper Pratt to campus, if you could get a, find a way to get Xander Muth to campus, it would just do so much for uh, the roster moving into 2024 because every one of those pieces you get that might can help a little bit, that's a little pressure off the portal um, at the same account. So uh, it's kind of where things stand. Again, I know it was sort of an overview. I know I was probably rambling a little bit, but um, just giving you guys an idea here as the next time we get together for our podcast next week, it'll be right when the portal is opening. I will um, probably have a little more information, also probably be able to uh, articulate some of these things. A little easier as uh, as well. So um, around the network, as I as I get ready to close the show here today, Brian uh, had a conversation with Mac Brown yesterday, the former Ole Miss punter. He's in the XFL. He uh, went viral a couple times for actually his arm. Throws a couple uh, touchdown passes throughout his season there. So Brian talks to Mac about that. Um, they reminisce a little bit, talk about what playing in the XFL is like, and uh, and much more. And then we will have a hand raised guys tonight. It is pre recorded. But it will be there. It's going to um, go live on YouTube sometime around 6, 7 o'clock as normal on Thursdays. And then I have it already programmed, already edited, set in the system for uh, 6 o'clock, I believe, on Friday morning from a podcast standpoint. If somebody's really itching for it and you tell me, I can obviously push the uh, publish button early. But that's going to be Ryan Brown, um, who is a uh, obviously friend of the pod from the next round live there in Birmingham. A lot of college football with Ryan, as always, is it's kind of really a great uh, kind of clearing the palette for the summer. They hit a lot of topics. He talks to Neil about a good bit of college football and gets you sort of prime for uh, the meat of the last part of the offseason here before, before you know it. We're through the summer, and it is uh, college football season again. And then Olin Buchanan from TexAgs.com also on Henry's guys on the show. And that's an interesting interview. I, I suggest you listen to it. Olin talks about Texas A&M, the pressure on Bobby Petrino, the pressure on Jimbo Fisher, what that looks like. And, Frankly, that we all sort of just assume that that buyout is in a place where Jimbo Fisher cannot be fired. Owen thinks some other things. He thinks it's not that cut and dry. He thinks there are there's absolutely a number that could cause a huge issue in Aggieland with what uh, could keep Jimbo Fisher, not keep Jimbo Fisher, and what his future could look like if they don't win a lot of games this season there in College Station. So I suggest, I suggest you check that out. Really good week here on the uh, on the podcast network. We appreciate all of you guys listening. Again, thanks to Isaac for his time and uh, all the guests throughout the different shows that we've had this week between Brian, Neil, Siski, and uh, Henry's guys as well. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the show. Should be a pretty normal week. I'm not aware of anything different. And then uh, plenty of coverage over the weekend too. A couple. I'll, I'll, I'm close to starting sort of my postseason baseball series. 
Because people will keep asking, am I going to talk to Mike? Am I going to get that one-on-one that I normally do? I am. I have communicated with him here in these past days. We are matching schedules, figuring out the right time for the interview, too. Because if there's a couple days later where he'll have more information on some things, that makes sense to wait a couple days. So it's a little bit of a, a balancing act. Because I don't wait. I don't want to wait so long that everybody's kind of moved on with their attention. But at the same time, there have been a lot of things between exit meetings and figuring out what your returning players are doing that there are a few days here where it makes sense to get some of that stuff ironed out, figure out sort of what's where, where things stand, and then do the uh, interview at that point. So we're trying to hit that. We're trying to get it scheduled right now. I do expect that here relatively soon. It won't be Monday or Tuesday, I don't think, but as soon as I get it done, you will get that content. And then again, I will run through a lot of things that I feel like went right, went wrong with uh, the college baseball season. Well, not much went right, but what went wrong, how to fix it, and some of sort of just the um, the observations of how things have changed in SEC baseball. So all that coming to you over the weekend and into next week as well. So, uh, again, thank you. Thanks to Isaac for his time today. Hope you enjoyed uh, hearing from him. I really enjoyed talking to him. And we'll be back with you again on Monday. <laughs>